Well, good morning. My name is Janet Galante, and I'm one of the ministers here. I get to work with our college ministry and with our group's team as well. And it's so good to be together today. Before we get started, I want to celebrate something awesome that happened right here at FCC yesterday. Uh, you might have heard us talking over the last few weeks about an event called the Single Women and Widows Oil Change. And we've done this for the last few years because it's just a great opportunity to serve our community. We did this yesterday. We served, I think we had 36 women there uh, who were welcomed and greeted with a hospitality team, people who fed them while they got their cars, oils change, uh, people who drove their cars off to get it changed. You'll see here some pictures, some kids and other amazing people who clean their cars. Uh, those are some of the drivers as well. And we've just heard some great stories already of how God was at work in that place as these people came and just got to be welcomed and treated so well. I heard one person said her only complaint was that she couldn't stay longer. And I just love that, that who would think you'd want changing your oil to take longer. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So that that's the type of ministry that we got to see happen yesterday here at First Christian. So thank you to all of you who are a part of that. I know it took a lot of volunteers to make that happen. Well, we've been in the middle of a series called Road Trips, and it's all about how we see God at work in these trips during the Bible, journeys that are happening. We've learned from a bunch of them so far. Maybe you've gotten to go on a road trip this summer or a vacation yourself. I just got back from one a few weeks ago. My husband, Michael, and I, we went up to New Hampshire with some good friends of ours, uh, Steve and Katie Star Goodwin. Uh, we have a picture of them up there. You might know them. Steve worked here at FCC as our homeless ministry coordinator, and Katie Starr was just an awesome volunteer here. She worked with a lot of great ministries. And you can keep them in your prayers. They've moved there so that Steve could start a job at a campus ministry there. And I know they would appreciate everyone just thinking of them as they get that started. But as we talk about road trips, it's been cool to think back to the most random road trip that I ever got to go on. I think about one that was five years ago. I heard some friends, they were talking about how they decided they were going to drive from Maryland to Indiana and back in the same day. They had a friend who was getting married, and they really wanted to be able to make it to the wedding, so what else could they do besides go there, sit down, grab a bite, enjoy the wedding ceremony a little bit, and then turn around and make it back home by 3 a.m.? And I heard them talking about this, and I just remember saying something like, oh, that sounds so fun. Wow, what an adventure you're going to go on. And they said, well, why don't you come along? I mean, we could use some more people, the more the merrier, it'll be great. And I was thinking, well, I don't have plans Saturday. I mean, I'm not invited to this guy's wedding, but sure, I'll come, I'll go on this trip. So I grabbed my husband, Michael, and we we're like, yeah, let's go on this trip together. And the next thing we know, we talked it up more and more, and it became this whole huge thing. We're going to pile on this van together. We're going to go to Indiana and then turn around and come back. Who wants to come with? And we filled the van. It became... This huge group, I remember we got there, and the guy ended up saying, you can come to the wedding. I mean, you may as well. You drove all this way. It was such a fun trip that started just from this small little conversation. It snowballed. It started with just one to two people wanting to go on this trip. And so it grew and grew and grew, and we were the fun part of the wedding. We'd adding into all the adventure of that. And today's road trip is just like that. It starts out small. Just one person. Until it grows and grows and gets out of hand. And it grows so big that I'll tell you right now, this road trip includes you and me. We're going to be a part of this road trip. But that's not how it started. This road trip, you see, started with Jesus. Until it grew and grew. And we get to see how we get to become a part of Jesus' road trip. 
Because you see, Jesus was always on a road trip. That's something we want to know about his ministry. I think it's easy for us to think about maybe all the people he meets and interactions he has with them. But if you look really closely, how did Jesus meet these people? He left. He went somewhere. He went on a road trip. So we're going to take a look at this and see a bit of Jesus' road trip. So we're going to be in the book of Luke today, looking at a series of trips. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull that out or go to your Bible app. We're going to start in Luke 8. And in the beginning of Luke 8, it says, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And now we're going to stop there already. I know that's just a short little passage, but it's not the only time we read a passage like that. You'll hear that kind of turn of phrase multiple times in the New Testament as we see Jesus going from place to place, town to town. As you flip through, you'll see he goes to Galilee, to Capernaum, to Jerusalem, to Nazareth, his hometown. He goes back there. He goes all over the place. There are so many passages that sound just like this verse where Jesus goes somewhere and he announces that there is something new coming, that the kingdom of God is here, and it's good news for everyone. And one thing I want you to notice, too, is that Jesus started the road trip alone, but by this time, we already see he has people with him. As you hear it again, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And then it adds on, the twelve were with him. The snowball is starting. It started with Jesus, and now the 12 are alongside, getting a front row seat at all that Jesus did. But it doesn't stop there. Turn your page on over. We're going to look at Luke 9. It says here, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so, they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The twelve didn't just stay with Jesus. They got sent out. I mean, they spent some time with Jesus, but immediately he's like, all right, now it's your turn. You're going to go out and do the same thing you just saw me do. And I've got to wonder, were they expecting that? Because I think if I were in their shoes, I, I would be scared, thinking, I, I thought Jesus was going to cover this part. I didn't know we'd have to go out now. I bet they were nervous. I wonder if they felt ready at all. But you see in this passage that God was faithful. Jesus empowered them, gave them power and authority, and they went out and they shared the good news. They proclaimed it and healed people. And now you might think that's where the snowball stops. One to 12. But it keeps on growing, getting bigger and bigger. We go ahead to the next chapter in Luke 10. It starts out and it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we see it went from 1 to 12 
to 72 more. It's still going, that he's still sending more and more people out in greater and greater numbers. We see the road trip is snowballing, growing, catching momentum as it goes down and builds and builds and builds. The road trip isn't limited. It's not limited to Jesus. It's not limited to the 12. And 72 more join into this important journey. And it's like every time someone spends time with Jesus and gets a taste of what he's doing, they know they're going to be sent out to do the same thing. That's the way the process works. And I love how here we see that Jesus sends them out two by two. They're not going out alone. They're sent two by two. They have a partner in ministry. And we can learn a lot from that, can't we? That we can be on mission with other people. That we're not called to do this work alone, but that we can get a partner. And the passage goes on. It gives us even more instructions. It says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. And we see from this little instructional piece that the disciples are told to testify. They're told to share what they've seen, what they've experienced. But more than that, they have the responsibility to testify, but they don't have the responsibility to control the response of the people. They share, they bear witness to what they've seen, but they can't control the response. And that's okay. Jesus sends them out fully aware that they can't control that response. Their job is to go on the road trip and to share what they've seen, to be a faithful witness. So all the people we've seen so far, they have the same pattern, both the 12 and the 72. They learned from Jesus. They followed him. And once they followed him, they were sent back out. They didn't wait until they hit a certain threshold or anything. Jesus didn't say, spend this much time with me and then I'll send you out. No, they were sent out. Once they got it, once they were with Jesus and following him, they were sent out to proclaim the good news. They modeled what Jesus was doing. I don't know if they felt ready, but ready or not, they were called. They were sent on this road trip. And ready or not, it's the same for us too. This road trip is our road trip. The Bible tells us that. We see in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us this. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry, the message of reconciliation. So that was a lot, but you hear it. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He starts out by saying these great things that we've learned, that we are the new creation now. We are reconciled to God. We get to experience all of this in Christ. But that's not it. It doesn't stop there. We don't just receive that. We are also given a responsibility. We are reconciled to God, and so we are given the responsibility to do the ministry of reconciliation. 
You see that in verse 18. It says, God reconciled himself to us, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that gift of a relationship with God comes with a responsibility, a call to do this very work. We're not meant to simply bask in our relationship with God and to just enjoy that and sit in that and just be happy where we are. No, as soon as we have that relationship with God, we are sent out just like the 12, just like the 72. Ready or not, we are sent on this trip. And now what is that work? I wanna explain a little bit of that, the work of the Ministry of Reconciliation. I think we can hear that sometimes and feel like, that sounds great, but what does that even mean? Well, if you think about it, the Ministry of Reconciliation, it's all about reconnecting everything to God. We are reconciled, we are reconnected with God. And so we go into the world and we seek that for others. And we seek reconciliation with one another here in the church and outside of the church that we would build up those relationships, that they would be restored, that we would find unity and restoration in Jesus. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. That's what we're called to. And the passage goes on, it gives us even more details about this. It says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're ambassadors, representatives. We represent Jesus when we go out into the world. That's our job. That was the job of the 12 and the 72, and it's our job now to be an ambassador of Jesus, doing the ministry of reconciliation. How do we go on this work? How do we do this? We go on a road trip. That's how we do the work of reconciliation. We go out on a road trip. And my question for you today that I hope you'll be able to answer is a simple question of where? Where is your road trip? Where are you headed? Can you name where that road trip is? Where are you doing the work of reconciliation? Because ready or not, you're called to this. Ready or not, we're going on this trip. Can you maybe think of a few other ready or not situations? I bet you've been in them. Ready or not, the test is today. You've crammed all you can into your head, but now you just have a pencil and the test is in front of you. It's time to take it. Ready or not, your baby's due today. You've done all you can, but eventually that baby's gonna come. There's no stopping it. Ready or not, you're moving to an apartment. The house is packed and you have to go move into a new place now. Ready or not, we are going on a road trip. Today, right here, all of us, our van is packed and we are headed down. Will you go on this road trip? Ready or not, it's time. And I think all too often we hear this trip and we try to put it off. We try to think of reasons that this isn't our trip. We think maybe it's someone else's trip. We say this is just for special Christians or global missionaries and we declare that this trip isn't for us. It surely couldn't be. And in fact, I do want to point out that this week we're celebrating uh, with CMF. They have a lot of missionaries in town for, um, they're all involved in a college ministry across the world. One of our own, Katie Rochelle, is visiting today. If you remember her, she is a, used to be a staff member here. I think we have a picture of her, uh, if you remember her. And Katie, she has been working in Germany for the last year. And Katie's awesome, I gotta tell you. If you haven't met her, she's amazing. You should meet her. But here's the thing. 
I think all too often we say, look at Katie, she's so great. She's going on this road trip, so she's got this. I don't need to go. And we look at her and other people who are serving overseas, and we hold them up as if they're doing something that we're not called to. But that's not true. The Bible makes it clear we are all ambassadors of Christ. We are all invited to be a part of this work. It's, just, it's not just for global missionaries. And I used to fall into that trap myself. I used to think that this road trip could only be done in a certain way. You see, for a long time, I always thought that I would be an overseas missionary someday. I got to spend about a year in China a long time ago, and I hoped, I'm going to move back. I want to be in China. And some things changed, and instead, my husband Michael and I found ourselves visiting a small country in West Africa called Burkina Faso. And we went there to see if this was our road trip, if this was where God was calling us. We went there to find that out. And it's a long story, but some things happened that made us realize that this wasn't where God was calling us. It wasn't our road trip. And I remember that being such a jarring season for me because I had spent so much of my life thinking, I'm going to move abroad someday. That's the way that God has called me to serve. And after that, I felt like I had been kicked off the road trip. If we weren't going there, then what was I doing? How could I go on this trip? Did God have anything for me? I just thought that I wasn't supposed to serve in that way. And I had to learn that, no, that isn't actually how it works, that God wasn't kicking me off the trip, and I couldn't opt out of it even if I wanted to. And you see, six months after we visited Burkina Faso, we ended up loading up a moving van, and we moved here. That was our road trip at the time, a road trip from Maryland to Johnson City. But it gets even more specific than that. Because now we've been here about five years, and I still have to know exactly where my road trip is. I want to be able to pinpoint that. I came to the realization last year that we had been here a while, but that I was kind of insulated in this Christian bubble. I was a part of two really great communities. I got to work here at First Christian, and I was a part of a seminary. I was going to school there for four years. So I was in these two great communities, but kind of set apart from the rest of Johnson City. I didn't feel like I knew the people here besides in those communities. And I realized I still needed to go on a road trip, even though I moved here. I needed to be able to have a place of mission. So what did I do? I took ballet classes. I signed up for something totally new that I'd never done before, and I decided this will be a great way to meet some people, to just get out there into the world. And it might sound silly, but that was my way of going town to town, was signing up for this new hobby. And every week, my road trip is driving 15 minutes across town to just hang out with some people who I didn't know at all before. That's it. Nothing too complicated. I also committed to volunteering at the hospital just about five minutes down the street. I don't volunteer super often, maybe once a month, but that's something that I've identified so I know where my road trip is going, that I will be committed to that work, that that's a place where I can bear witness. So those are some of my road trips. I discovered that global missions wasn't my call, and for a long time I thought that meant that I wasn't a missionary. But now I realize that global missions isn't what I'm called to, but I am still called to be a missionary. We all are. We are all missionaries. We all have to be able to answer the question, 
of where. And in fact, we think this is so important that we recognize ourselves as missionaries that it's part of our mission statement here at FCC. I want to show you a screenshot of our website. If you pull up our website and look at the who are we section, it shows you these things. These are just some things that we say about who we are as a church. You might have heard us call this the DNA of FCC. We say, we love God, so we are worshipers. We love everyone, so we live as servants. Make disciples, so we live as disciples. And we tell our stories, so we live as missionaries. And you'll notice there's no asterisk next to the word missionaries. It's not saying, oh, you're only a missionary if you do this, this, and this. No, that's for all of us. Every single one of us. If you're a part of FCC, if you have been reconciled to God, you are called to live as a missionary. That's how this road trip works. And we just have to be able to answer our question of where. The road trip doesn't need to be fancy or extravagant. It just has to be somewhere. You are a missionary somewhere, so where is it? Maybe your trip, like me, involves meeting people in a new way. You need a new rhythm and need something to help you figure out what that looks like. Or maybe it's not even that hard. Your road trip could be crossing the street, 200 feet, going over to your neighbor's house and saying, hey. Maybe your road trip is to get out in your community in a way that you've been connected before and just to keep doing that. I mean, your road trip could be to Germany or New Hampshire like my friends, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to move to go on a road trip. You just have to go on a road trip. So where's your road trip? We don't have to overcomplicate this. If you're having trouble thinking of it, just think through right now, where are the places you already are going? Who are the people you see? Your road trip could be to your family, your job, your friends, your gym buddies. It could be to your school, uh, the coffee shop that you go to all the time. And this list can make it sound simple because it is. Your road trip is the places you are already going. I'm just telling you to go there as a missionary. To go there knowing that you are sent out by Jesus as a representative of Christ. I think back to the 72 who were sent out. They were from the region that Jesus was sending them to. So chances are that someone ran into someone they already knew when they went on this trip. But that was still a road trip. They were called to go back to a place they had already gone and to declare the good news of Jesus. So that could be your story too, that you're going to go somewhere you've already gone, you're going back to people you've already gone to, and just to know that you are there as a missionary. Where is your road trip? Where are you doing the ministry of reconciliation? And remember, I really hope we can remember what that phrase means, the ministry of reconciliation. It's this beautiful thing. It's not that we're grabbing a Bible and hitting people over the head and yelling at them and judging them and criticizing them. No, it's something so much more profound than that. We get to be at work, a restorative work, a work of building relationships, at reconnecting people to God, to finding wholeness together, unity, and peace. Where can you do the ministry of reconciliation. Because you've been reconciled to God. You've received the greatest gift in the world. And we're told not to keep it to ourselves. In fact, the Bible describes this as a wedding between Jesus to the church, and you are invited to that wedding. You get to come to the party. 
But the thing is, are you gonna act like my friends I told you about? Are you gonna open up the van and say, hop in, there's plenty of room, we're going to a party? Will you extend the invitation? That's what we're called to. We know there's plenty of food, there's plenty of space at the party, so we've just gotta tell people about it. We've just gotta invite them. Don't let them miss it because you didn't invite them. You have been reconciled to God. So you're called to the ministry of reconciliation. This is your road trip, every single one of us. If you have been reconciled to God, if you have a relationship with God, there's nothing you need to wait for. This is your road trip. So how do we do this? I wanna give you two ways that you can say yes to this road trip. First, I wanna tell you about something cool that we as a church are doing in the fall. It's called an alignment. You might have heard us use this word before, an alignment. When we say that, what we mean is that our whole church, adults, kids, student ministries, will all be exploring the same material together and going through it. And it'll evolve getting together in groups and launching new small groups. And this has been an awesome way for our church to go out two by two on mission together. And I can't wait for you to hear about this one. It's going to be so cool, the content that we're doing, the theme that we have. So I want you to hear this. We're going to call this alignment, Love Everyone. Love Everyone. Not love everyone, saying it real fast, almost thinking, yeah, we're just loving everyone generically. No, we want to get really specific and think about how we are loving all people, one at a time, that we could look at the relationships in our lives, the people we encounter, and learn how Jesus calls us to love everyone. I've gotten to be a part of writing this curriculum, and it's been so cool to dig deeper and see that theme all throughout Scripture, because it makes us hungry for it, doesn't it? Whether we're Christians or not, we would hunger to see everyone loved. And I hope you'll be a part of this as we get to see this, as we study this for five weeks together coming up in the fall. And for this to work, we're going to have a whole bunch of groups. We have Sunday school classes that we'll be invited to do at our normal uh, existing home groups, our Wednesday night groups. Everyone's going to be invited to be a part of this. And we hope that hundreds of you will participate in this. Because imagine if hundreds of people are studying this material and applying it to their lives, if hundreds of people are thinking about how they can love everyone. Well, that could just change Johnson City. That could change our lives, our communities around us. But more than that, my ask for you is that I ask that you would consider starting a small group. Not just being in one, maybe you're already in one, but think about it this way, starting a small group is a new opportunity for an invitation. Maybe you're in a Sunday school class and your neighbor has always said no when you've invited her to come. But imagine if you invited her over your house for coffee one day to just talk about this material together with some other friends. She might say yes to that. My hope is that we would all consider launching a group, starting a group, and inviting people who are out there in our communities, people we know who might not say yes to coming to church, but they'd be curious about this material, that they would want to study this with you. And I want you to hear this. This isn't something we're saying you should do as a, yeah, we're just doing this church program, so get involved and do this. No, it's so much more than that. It's in groups that we can experience reconciliation with God. It's in groups that we will study how God is at work and how we can connect with God. 
So when you're inviting someone to this, you're inviting them to know God in a different way. You're inviting them to know you in a different way, to know others as you share stories, as you get together and go through this. This material is all about how God is at work, how God is reconciling us in relationships. And I've imagined if we could just have 40 small groups, that's a goal I think we could hit, 40 new small groups this fall, think of all the people who would be getting invitations to reconciliation with God. I mean, let's say the groups were about eight people, give or take. That would be 320 people who are getting an invitation to know God in a new way. They'd be invited to something new. And so we hope that we can take a posture of invitation about these small groups. Because it's in groups that lives are changed. So will you start a group? Will you consider going through this material, love everyone, as a way of reconciling others to God, as a way of reconciling your community around you? If you're wondering more about this work, I can, how this works, I can tell you some more stories. We've done this a few times before. We did this a few years ago with a study called Love Does, and we did this a few years before that with a study called Surprise the World. I know of one lady who started a small group over Zoom with her family because she was kind of disconnected from her family. They lived in different places and weren't always in touch on a regular basis. So she decided this would be a great way to reconcile that relationship, to reconnect, but also that they could reconcile with God and see how God was at work in their lives. I know of someone else, a young adult, who realized a lot of his friends at that time in his life were struggling and had some big questions about God and just life in general. And he said, why don't we get together and we'll go through this surprise the world material. So they did. They experienced that relational time together. Someone else realized he didn't know his neighbors around him. And the Bible says, love your neighbor, but he didn't know any of them. So he decided, I'm going to invite my neighbors over to go through this material, to have a group that we can get to know each other together. Those are just some of the ways that we could do this, that we could reach out, that we could go on a road trip as we figure out where we are going. So maybe that's you. Maybe you can start a group. If that's you, take some time today and start brainstorming that. Think of what that can look like. Grab someone else here and go out two by two as we go out to try to start 40 small groups this fall. And if that's your road trip, I hope you'll reach out to me. I'd love to give you more information about this and help you get this group started. You can find me after church or email me, call me, or just write on your connection card, call me, Janet, and I'll give you a call or someone else on on my team will, and we'd love to help you make this happen. So that's the first way that we can be on mission together, that we can go on this road trip. We can be a part of these alignment groups, love everyone. But maybe right now, your step is to figure out exactly where your where is. You can't start a group until you know where you're going. Think to yourself, where am I going? What are the circles I'm in? Where is Jesus calling me to do the ministry of reconciliation? Think about your daily life. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to move somewhere. Maybe your road trip is your 15-minute commute to work. Your workplace is a mission field, and God has called you to do the ministry of reconciliation there. Maybe you're 
Road trip is your kid's soccer practice. You sit on the sidelines with a bunch of other parents and you get to talk with them. How is God at work there in those relationships? Think through other places. You're a basketball team. Maybe you're a regular at Waffle House. Maybe you're in school with some classmates who you know really well. How can you be on mission there? What context are you already in that you need to start recognizing as a road trip? And I hope you won't miss the importance of this road trip. This road trip isn't optional. Paul says that we are ambassadors, we are representatives of Jesus. And that means you might be the only Jesus that someone meets. Sure, we might hope that our friends would wake up one day and come to church or that they'd read their Bible and see what it has to say about God. But that's not what Paul's hoping for. Paul's telling us, get out there, be an ambassador, be a representative. Because you might be the only Jesus someone meets. These people might not read the Bible and to see how God's at work, but they are reading you. They're reading your life. And as they look at your life, what are they reading? Are they reading that you love them? Are they reading that you have hope in God? Or are they reading something else? This trip isn't optional. We're all called to participate in it. And I hope that today you will figure out your where. And church, as we get ready for the fall, start praying, start preparing for this alignment. Love everyone. Start thinking about how God can use you and use our whole church to really show Johnson City what it looks like to love everyone, all people, one at a time. Where's your road trip? Will you say yes to going on this road trip? Will you say yes to what you're called to? Will you pray with me? God, we ask that you would be at work in our lives right now. Be a compass, point us in the right direction. Show us where we are called to go on this road trip. I ask that you would be at work in every single person's ears, their lives this week. Show them where to go. Show them where they're already going because we know you've sent us out You've invited us to be a part of this work. We ask that you would empower us the way you empowered the 12. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.